Two is probably the best known portion of scripture in the entire Bible. Some people, as you read it, could probably almost follow along by memory. And so us ministers are constantly every year trying to figure out what can we preach about Christmas anymore? Sometimes it feels like it's already been said, everything has been said. But I try to come to those passages of Scripture freshly each year if I can. But you know what can be worse than the sermons around Christmas is the first Sunday after Christmas. I mean, where do you go from there? Well, today I have reached into the book of James, the letter of James, and I have chosen to basically do a teaching on a very vital subject. Maybe we think about it sometimes, but don't talk about it a lot. And that is basically the power of the tongue and speech and talking and what we do or don't do by the talking that we do or don't do. A snail's tongue has 30,000 teeth. It cuts through some of the toughest stems and leaves in order for it to live. But the snail's tongue with 30,000 teeth is no more biting than the human tongue. I'm appalled sometimes at the language, jokes, innuendos that commonly are spoken today. Now, as you can imagine, driving the bus there, I am becoming acquainted with a lot of people. And one sweet-looking grandma gets on the bus, and she's ridden my bus two or three times now, and she, she did ride, I believe, on Wednesday. But I have to tell you that that grandma can cuss like a drunken sailor. <laughs> and she uses all the words. And it's just hard for me to believe she would look in place, sitting right here in the pew, in church. But how is it that she can talk like she does and make no apology for it and just act like it's normal language? I wonder what she would do if I started saying the same words back to her, which I would never do. It's, it's amazing to me. I was walking into a warehouse a few years ago. I used to drive a truck for a local company in Harrisonburg, and I would deliver boxes as one of my jobs. Man, that's, a, that's an amazing industry, the box industry. I delivered boxes to everybody from car parts stores to contact lens companies to cake baking companies. One of the stores I delivered to was a warehouse for Plow and Hearth. 
And what surprised me was the supervisor of the warehouse for plowing the hearth was a super cusser. I mean, as soon as you walked in, he was cussing to somebody about something. And, you know, I have not been around that for a number of years. Now, I was kind of accustomed to that some when I worked at the mines. We weren't Sunday school kids when we worked at the mines, let me tell you. But he would cuss and carry it on, and I uh, would go back there the second time, the third time. He was doing it every time I walked in there. Well, somewhere along the line, I ran into a piece of information that it is a class four misdemeanor in Virginia to use offensive language. That's the law. And so the next day I went, or next time, I went back to plowing the hearth and he was cussing, carrying on, and I just turned to him and I said, Sir, do you know it's a class four misdemeanor for you to cuss like that? You should have saw his face. And so, do you think it made any difference? No, he kept cussing, and every time he'd say something, he'd say, class four misdemeanor. And I turned around to him one time and said, oh, that's a second offense. Second offense, second charge. There is an offensive language that is hurtful and destructive. And everything that James speaks to us right here in this chapter 3 of James applies to today. So let's read the first 12 verses of chapter 3 in James. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. Now, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies it pollutes the whole body. It sets a course of fire, of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. Every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it. And we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does spring 
A spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt water and spring yield fresh water. Well, today I'm going to mention uh, three different types of talking and use of the tongue. And I would like to mention that the Bible gives a sure mark of a mature Christian. If anyone does not stumble, verse 2 says, in what he says, if a person can control or at least think about what he says before he says it, and you know, I'm really not talking just about cursing. There are all kinds of comments and forms of speaking that are not good. That's really not, not a cursing, but it's an offensiveness that can come through the things we say if we're not careful. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is able to control his whole body. And back in uh, chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. That's James chapter 1, 26. And I like verse 19 in James chapter 1 also. My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I've heard God gave us two ears for a reason and one mouth for a reason. We should listen twice as much as we speak. We can fail many ways, as the Bible says here. For we stumble in many ways. But if a person doesn't stumble in what he says, he's mature. So we should strive to use words cautiously. Use caution should be a warning sign in most everything we say. Now, I'm not sure how good I am at it, but I try not to talk too much. After my brain injury I had, now coming up on six years ago, thankfully, and hopefully I'm doing all right, but people have told me that I don't talk as much as I used to. So I'm brain damaged. And my Christy gets on me for saying that. She said, I shouldn't say that I'm brain damaged. Well, I'm not brain damaged. I just had a brain injury. And they said, I don't talk as much. Even my family, even my wife says, I don't talk as much. So we mentioned this to the doctor that I don't seem to talk as much. You know what the doctor said? He said, well, maybe you're figuring out that most of what you were saying was useless anyway and you're just choosing not to say it. 
Sounds like a good plan to me. Maybe most of what I was saying didn't make any sense. And so I'm just filtering it out somehow. I can tell myself sometimes that I, I don't uh, interject maybe quite as much as I used to. But you know, like I want to say, it's more than just cursing. It's sometimes common words that we have to be careful with. How about the word stupid? I used to get on my boys. One thing we did not allow was any of them or me or anyone to call each other names in the family. If I would hear one of them say, you're stupid, I'd say, hey, wait a minute. We don't say that in our family. We are not calling anybody names. Or what about these far-reaching sort of absolute statements. When someone does something, the other one will say, you always do that. In most cases, when we say you always do that, it's not true. We don't always. Maybe some, but to accuse someone in an argument, you're always like that all the time. And when we use the words you more than we use the word I, a lot of times we are speaking accusations to another person. You, you do this, you do that, you make me mad. You know, no one can make another person angry. It's a choice. You can choose to be angry or choose not to. It's a matter of control. Now, to lose our temper is definitely to be out of control. I used to um, get on the boys for losing your temper. Of course, I have been guilty of doing that myself. But I used to tell my, I remember telling my one son, son, there are men sitting in prison right now, right this moment. They are in prison right now because they lost their temper and did something that they thought they couldn't control. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual thoughts. Remember, if we're not saying some bad things, we can say good things. We can get in a habit, actually, of being complimentary rather than critical. An instructor was teaching a man to ski one day, and the man fell head over heels down the hill, hill and another man came along after that and said to the instructor, I guess you get a lot of that from beginners. And the instructor says, yes, we do. But you never get too expert to do it. Anyone can fall down the hill. Anyone can say things that they shouldn't say at some time. But let me tell you, have you ever saw an illustration of the tube of toothpaste? Where you squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube. 
And then you tell the person, all right, put the toothpaste back in the tube. Can't do it. And let me tell you, a word that comes out of our mouth is sort of the same way. A word can come out, but it can't come back in. And we can apologize for the things we say, but often they never be quite the same. And husbands and wives, I hope you haven't had too much experience with this, but arguing sometimes and saying things in the midst of the argument that's not good, hurtful. You know, I heard that some husbands and wives, when they argue, the wife gives a history lesson every time they argue. Now, how did they do that? Oh, they go back two or three years and say, I remember when you did this and this and this and this. That's a history lesson. Go back 10 years. I remember that and that and that and that. Well, of course they do. We all remember that. And if we're not careful, we can bring it up again and again and again. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoso keepeth his tongue and his mouth keepeth his soul from trouble. We used to kid each other up at the mines quite a bit. You know, it was all in fun. But you know that there was a line that you could cross? I crossed a line before. I admit. We were kidding each other one day and everybody's having a, a big bunch of laughs and fun. And I said something to another man there. And he didn't like it at all. And he basically just threatened me right back. Woo! I thought, well, I didn't mean to say that to you. But I said it. All of a sudden, an impulse of everyone saying this and that. And I said these very offensive type of things. Couldn't put it back in the mouth. All I could do was to apologize. And I felt bad about it. Very, very much. The tongue is a powerful force. And James gives good illustrations here. I like these illustrations. Verse 3. We put bits into the mouths of horses. To make them obey. And so we can guide the whole animal. You know, a horse could do basically whatever it wants to do, regardless of having a bit in his mouth. But apparently this bit is uncomfortable enough, and it controls the horse. And I've been around horses some to learn that even some horses are motivated just by the reins touching the side of their neck. All I have to feel is a pressure of the reins and they'll go in that direction don't need to really feel the bit it's there but you don't need to feel it that much and you know what this story this illustration really is god wants to bridle us in some ways god wants to have control of our mouth and what about the illustration of ship's rudder i like that Christy and I was blessed to take a cruise one time. I don't know if we'll ever get to do it again, but we did. And to think that that entire ship right there is controlled by a little rudder at the back of the ship. 
And comparatively, the size of that rudder is so small. The ship is controlled. Who would go on a ship with a rudder that's not controlled? I hope no one here has a flapping rudder. Any uncontrolled rudders would be a danger. And then James' illustration then about the, the forest fire. Down in verse 5. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. Reminds me of the brethren song we sing sometimes. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. We sing that camp all the time. Well, that's a biblical illustration. The tongue is a fire, the Bible says here in verse 5. Verse, yeah, verse 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness placed among the parts of our body. It pollutes the whole body and sets course of life on fire. Look at the strong language that is interpreted there world of unrighteousness polluter of the whole body it is hard to really keep in mind that the words that come out of our mouth and the things that we say have such a power in them either to encourage and lift up an individual or to cut that individual down one of the things I'm trying to be conscious of when I drive the bus around is to, when people walk up to the door, I try to smile at them and be an encourager if I can. Right there. A whole lot better than looking at them and saying, oh, you again. You know, <laughs> some of them you'd like to say that. And there are a few addresses I'd rather not go to. But that's just a side element. Words strain, defile, and tarnish and dilute the Christian's witness. I heard a story that someone was, was saying very offensive words in the grocery store in the next hour over. And the person came around the corner and here that lady goes to church with them. And what a surprise. And here's something else that words do. They have a domino effect. One thing leads to another. Another thing leads to another. Starts out tiny. You know what I have done before? You'll probably laugh. i tell you this. I'm from West Virginia, but sometimes I have trouble starting a fire. You know what I do? I just get a, I keep a half cap a propane torch beside the stove. <laughs> I bet you I can get that fire going with that thing. I take a little striker, turn that propane torch on, and light that baby. And then I bet you those little twigs will burn in there when I put that thing in there for a while. You see, I can supercharge. It's energized by the propane torch. What about the careless tongue? 
unbelievable potential for destruction. Rumors can cover the entire world. You know, you could probably go out here today and go home and start some kind of rumor on your computer social network, social media. And before 5 o'clock tonight, it could be clear around the world. Well, within minutes, what you type on a computer can be around the world. Emails and phones. And how about this texting? Don't tell anyone, but Christy and I are texting all day long. She's a textaholic. Now nah, you're not that bad. A recovering. <laughs> recovering textaholic. I'll hear about this now after the sermon. <laughs> no, we, we keep in communication. You know, she says, go to Martin's and pick this up and pick that up. And, you know, uh, Grover told me this. Yeah, I get that in a text once in a while. Now, now, Grover said something about this. And I pay attention to them. And what about our words that are driven by emotion? Churchill said the power of man has grown in every sphere except himself. It takes serious consciousness to control our words in the midst of our emotions. God give us emotions and sometimes we react in an improper way because we are feeling something. Anger can do that. Even sadness can do it at times. We're extremely disappointed or sad about something. That can trigger at times offensive words to someone else. What can we do about speaking offensively? We can pray about it. Make it something real in our own lives. We can ask that we might be disciplined and we can keep our concentration on our words when we're speaking and try to be careful. Down on the bus, I got radios, you know, and you can talk to the office. That's where we get the calls and how to, where to go. But sometimes the drivers talk to each other and they kid each other once in a while. And I tell you what, I just stay out of that. I don't get in that. Because I don't want to inadvertently say something that's going to do like it did up the job, offend someone. It could easily happen if we're not careful. Because they kid each other pretty, pretty loudly sometimes. And then James mentions the forked tongue or the confused tongue. Inconsistency. How can we praise the Lord with the same mouth that we curse men and women? How can we have sweet water and bitter water coming out of the same well? These are the questions James asked. How does salt water put out fresh water? Does the lady that cursed on the bus, does she ever stop it? I don't know. I haven't been around her enough to know. I would assume that there would be some people that she would not uh, do that around and say. There's selective talk. 
We talk one way with one group and a different way with another group. We're among Christians on Sunday morning, so we talk a certain way there. Well, we might be with a group of our buddies the coming week. Do we talk any differently there? Then we talk at church. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's a lie. All the way. Words do hurt. Can hurt. But now on the other side, words can encourage and build up. And we can make a decision in advance that I'm going to be the kind of person as best I can to encourage the people I run into. And you know, it's kind of like a habit. You do it enough, it comes natural. If you do it enough. Here's a great prayer from Psalms 19.14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You know, maybe we pray about a lot of things when we get up in the morning about the coming day. Lord, I don't know what the day's going to hold, but I pray you'll be with me. What about if I just included this in that prayer too? Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I feel it a lot of times, and that's the notion of interjecting something into a conversation or into a relationship or an acquaintance that I have. Maybe I want to say this or that, and I need your help in what I say, that it will not hurt another person, cut them down, belittle them in some way. I would never want to call someone a name. And on the, the other side of that, Lord, I could say things that would make a, a great positive difference in their life. Help me, Lord, to sort out the good and the bad. And may my words, I pray, encourage and lift up another person. And the best of all, could they, my words, be a witness to your love as I express a love toward others. I pray that that can be so for all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen.